Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. There's been uh, much talk of late about the fine line, or maybe lack of fine line, between news reporting and opinion, uh, as we see bloggers becoming an ever more important part of how we all get our information and how we go to the web for, uh, for our data, and how, in fact, a lot of Americans are getting their political information from The Tonight Show monologue and The Daily Show. We don't pretend to be real journalists on this program. We, in fact, have no training in journalism whatsoever. But we do try and offer up an honest opinion as we blend it with the news, and many times we'll try and give you a source, uh, a citation of where you can go to find out more yourself. But if you hear an opinion voiced on this program, it's an honest opinion. We're not being swayed by, uh, by uh, advertisers, by uh, commercial sources that, uh, that own the programming, and that's, that's one of the beauties of, of KDVS and, and a community radio station. The question of who you can trust in the media is one that is uh, near and dear to our hearts, and we're proud to note that in our second segment today, we're going to be talking to a genuine expert on that topic. John Stauber, founder and executive director of the Center for Media and Democracy, will be joining us to talk about these very topics, i.e., media manipulations, media distortions, and outright propaganda. Please stay tuned for that. Um, I would like to cite a couple websites that are good for researching things like urban legends and seeing whether something is true or not. An excellent one we've mentioned before is Snopes, S-N-O-P-E-S dot com. A couple of other good ones I've come across are MedlinePlus.gov and QuackWatch.org. These uh, are three sites mentioned in last week's issue of The Week magazine, uh, one of our favorites, and we thought we should share those with you. It was noted in the magazine that about 40% of all people who search the Internet for health issues begin with Google. But experts say that isn't necessarily the best place to start. So consider those other three, Snopes.com, QuackWatch.org, and MedlinePlus.gov. Let's do a few other miscellaneous items from uh, the aforementioned magazine. It seems to really be perfectly constructed for those who have their own radio program. So we thank the editors of the week for their assistance and note that the following is an excerpt of the magazine done for review purposes, which of course keeps it legal. Quote worth mentioning from author E.V. Lucas, I have noticed that the people who are late are often jollier than the people who have to wait for them. And from the good week for, bad week for section, it was a good week for, at least last week, The Stork, when it was noted that 30% of Filipinos surveyed by the government said they were unaware that having sex can lead to pregnancy. And it was a bad week for Britney Spears, Ashley Simpson et al., 
after officials of the Chinese government proposed a ban on public lip-syncing. Quote, Fake singing is no different from selling counterfeit goods, said a government official. It should be resolutely boycotted and shunned. And from the customer beware file, we would note that auto insurer Geico is currently advertising, and you may have seen this ad, I saw it yesterday, that it has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. But Geico refuses to support that number with evidence. The company says the figure comes from a highly confidential customer survey. But, in fact, based on customer turnover, the University of Michigan assigns Geico a customer satisfaction rating of 78 out of 100, short of State Farm's 81. I'm not sure whether State Farm ranked first on that, but I will report from a personal experience that when I inadvertently let my GEICO insurance go a day or two past the expiration and I called up the company to just reactivate over the phone, they said I had to wait six weeks and do it through the mail. Yes, go six weeks without auto insurance because that was their rule. So I do have my doubts about 97%. And uh, I don't watch a lot of television, but the other night I found myself with uh, little to do for once and, and a TV in front of me, so I decided to test out my new fiber optic television service and thought with all these channels I can surely find some you know highbrow form of entertainment. So I went to the section that had like the BBC, uh, Biography, National Geographic, and discovered the National Geographic channel was airing a program called Animals Attack, which showed a guy at the zoo having a panda tear the shirt off of him or his coat. Uh, the Biography channel was running a Columbo episode. A BBC America was showing a British detective movie the History Channel was airing Wyatt Earp, starring Kevin Costner, and only the Discover Channel was showing a program on Cocos Island, and the History International Channel was, uh, was uh, talking about the V1 attack of, of Britain. I mean, these were sort of what I expected to find, not a bunch of recycled movies. So uh, again, buyer beware. <laughs> Well, let's go now to San Francisco for uh, of our connection with an old friend of ours, America's leading political comic, Mr. Will Durst. Welcome back, Will. Hey, Douglas. How's it going, man? It's, it's going okay. We, we last spoke to you when you were in Washington, D.C., as I recall, immediately pre-election. Ah, uh, yes. Those were the good old days. Ah, uh, when we had hope and the sun was still shining <laughs> before the rains came. You, you were describing a commercial they were airing at the time about the wolves circling, as I recall. <laughs> well, the wolves seemed to have joined a pack. <laughs> and it was a, not a political, political action committee. It seemed to be the whole nation. You think they, think they counted the votes honestly? No, I think they cheated. I think they stole the election, but it's the Democrats' fault. I mean, they knew they were going to. They should have stolen it first. Well, that's kind of, that's kind of our way of thinking. It's their own damn fault. I imagine you, like a lot of people, went, sort of went through a postpartum depression in the wake of the election. Yeah, not only postpartum, but uh, I think I went through the five stages of democratic grief. What, what are those? Uh, the first one is uh, denial. <laughs> <laughs> the second one is anger. Uh, <laughs> damn kids. <laughs> and the third one is bargaining. Oh, come on, just give us Ohio. You can have Nader back. Fourth one is depression, and the fifth one is uh, acceptance. 
So you're at, you're at acceptance now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's good for me. I'm a political comic. I mean, he's great. You know, we're all red and blue, and and my theory is, you know, we live in a blue state, but there are still red cities in that blue state, and there are blue neighborhoods in those red cities, and there are red houses in those blue neighborhoods, in those red cities, in the blues, and you know there's blue bedstands in those red houses, so my theory is we're all just purple people. Although Bush is pure gold for me. <laughs> He's like if Reagan and Quayle had a kid. Yeah. I mean, for you, as a political co- commentator and, and comic, you must uh, look—you must sort of look forward to the next four years in that respect. Well, I'm going to be a star in Canada because what I do is going to become illegal here. But that's okay. Whatever it takes. Can you give us a for instance? <laughs> well, Patriot Act Two. This time it's personal. Y- you were tracking down a pilot also when you were out in D.C. Still am. Okay. Still am. Good. We're Hoping to have a pilot. We, we, well, we taped it in January, so oh, that was the good news, and we're shopping it around right now, and that's, that's the long news, because it takes forever. Well, um, you actually are appearing at the Punchline here in Sacramento uh, tonight and the next couple nights. Yeah, I'm here Wednesday through Easter, uh, <laughs> here on a holiday weekend, so I guess they think that I have a secular crowd. <laughs> <laughs> They're, yes, they're, uh, you know, depending on that, uh, the non-Christian <laughs> segment of Sacramento to show up. I think, I think, I think people are going to turn out. I'm certainly going to try and, and come out and, and see you myself. Oh, good, good. There's a lot of stuff going on. I don't know if you've been paying much attention, but, uh, uh, well, of course you have. I don't know if the rest of you, but of course they have. We've all been paying attention. We're not happy. Uh, we're nicked and bruised, and there's, we're bleeding from many spots on our bodies, and but uh, I look on the bright side, you know, the bright side of, of uh, losing all of our trees. A uh, walk in the woods would be much easier because you won't get lost so much. I mean, you got to look on the bright side, Doug, you know. So there's hardly any fish. It makes fishing a more sporting proposition. Well, we've always said that, you know, you, you, forest fire management will be really uh, under good control. If there's no forests, no That's fires. Right. Although I got to admit, uh, I am Bush does worry me. I mean, his Healthy Forest Initiative uh, calls for less trees, and his Clear Skies Bill uh, allows for more pollution. So, when he proposes a Social Security <laughs> reform, you know, I'm thinking the only way to really get it done is less old people. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm just a little worried. That's something to think about as we all get a little up there in years. Soylent green is people, people. Well. Will Durst, thanks for coming on the show once again. We're going to try and come out and see you. Any any parting words of wisdom? Nothing, nothing. I'm just going to mock and scoff and taunt and uh, make so much money making fun of Republicans, eventually I become one. That was Will Durst, America's foremost political comedian, and I would also note the official political comedian of Radio Parallax. <laughs> I understand Bush has a tough job. I do. I mean, trying to thwart terrorism. You know, I just wish he'd learn how to pronounce it, though. <laughs> We're going to eradicate tourism as we know it. <laughs> tourism? <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> I would be remiss if I did not thank the good people, the voters of California. 
for Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Our governor can put your governor's eyes out with his pecs. I still don't understand why Gary Coleman was the joke candidate. And Schwarzenegger was a legitimate one. They were equally qualified. The only difference is one was able to pass under the clown hand that said you must be this tall to govern California. Really, there aren't too many people that can give Will Durst a run for his money on political uh, humor. Maybe, maybe Tom Tomorrow, uh, the four-panel cartoon, which you can find in uh, the weekly edition of the Sacramento News and Review. Uh, it might be up there. And Doonesbury, for 30 years, has uh, been what one president called um, uh, you know, one of three sources of information the American public has about political news. The electronic media, the print media, and Doonesbury, not necessarily in that order. That was Gerald Ford back in 1975. I think that still might be true today. I'm getting quite a kick out of the, uh, you know, in the wake of the Jeff Gannon scandal. The Bush administration in, in, in Doonesbury has hired a reporter, Roland Burton Headley, to take the place of Mr. Gannon and toss softball questions to the president, or at least Scott McClellan during one of the uh, the um, White House press conferences. And in, in a panel a couple days ago, Rick Redfern is asking a very tough question about what's going on in, in the world situation, at which point Scott McClellan turns to Roland, who says, Scott, when will the daffodils be blooming? And I got quite a kick out of the uh, Esquire magazine, Are You a Food Snob? quiz in uh, last month's issue. I liked a couple of questions. Trying to stratify you out is where you stand in, in, in the issue of you know being a food snob. I like this question. Finish this sentence. After dinner, I like to A. Linger over grappa, telling stories about the delightful food customs I observed on my recent trip to Basque Country. B. Take a leisurely walk. Or C. Bust my tray and leave. Another question from the Esquire quiz, are you a food snob? Which of the following phrases most resembles something you might say? A, and that is how we get the name tapas. B, last night as I was rendering lard. Or C, look, a soft serve ice cream station. And I know comedy usually comes in threes, but I only thought two were funny, so let's move on. Actually, let's move to a break. We've got a lot of ground to cover with John Stauber, so let's take a moment for a couple of messages. You're listening to KDVS, 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. This is Radio Parallax, and I'm Douglas Everett. <laughs> 